0: Whoa, hey, happy Friday, and welcome back to The Trading Desk. My name is Joshua Thanos, and this is my partner.
1: What's going on, guys? Jason Mayne here. Friday. It's Friday. It is Friday. It's Friday, guys.
0: Happy weekend, guys. I'm glad you guys decided to end uh, your week with us. And uh, we're going to end our week with you. First, we start with wrist shots. Jay, what you got? No, I'm good.
1: I am. You're going to be very surprised with the watch that I wear all the time. That's the uh, 114060, uh, very exclusive, there's only one of these made, uh, ceramic, non-date Submariner, that was a joke, this is a very uh, common watch, but...
0: At least you cleaned the crystal this time.
1: Yeah, um, I love this guy, uh, very common signs of wear on this, but overall, fantastic watch for daily wear, and uh, the Panerai hasn't been seeing much worse time, so maybe switch it up a little bit. You gonna sell it? No. No, okay. not Not unless you I could, upgrade though. to something... Uh, Bigger and better,
0: but... Um, I think you need a two-tone piece next, honestly. Two-tone? I don't yeah. have anything two-tone Two-tone collection. That'd be kind of cool. I was thinking about that. I might pick that up. All right, so uh, on the wrist here today, I have a watch that most of you have seen before, and that's my Bell & Ross BR123. This is the uh, less uh, popular, I guess, uh, you know, round case as opposed to the square case that they're known for. Um, Great watch, automatic, 41 millimeter, though it wears a little bit larger than that. Today I have it on a, a Zulu strap, which is similar to a NATO, but it's just one piece of cloth. It doesn't have the extra. Um, I like this much better than that rubber strap that they, that had it on there before. Actually, I took the rubber strap off and put it on a Stoa watch. Which that made he, the Stoa that, feel better.
1: That he does not own. He, Yeah, I own the Stoa. You own
0: it? Yeah, right. it's cool. So I have a Stoa Sto- Sto- chronograph. Maybe I'll wear it on the show, not whoosh. next week because I'll be out of town, but the week after. Don't do that. Okay, I won't. Um, so, yeah, there's my uh, vintage-inspired, heritage vintage Bell & Ross something or other. 41 millimeter. It's a cool watch. It actually... Automatic time and date.
1: Yeah, we were talking about I put that on my wrist when you took it off earlier, and it wears larger than a 41. I think it's... Oh, a doubt. The way, like the, a be- right? the way the bezel comes off the case, it's kind of...
0: And it has straight lugs,
1: too, so yeah. it's nice. It sits, uh, sits pretty well for what it is. Yeah, I like
0: it. Um, whereas, it, it's... If you own a Pan- Panerai, um, it's like a nice uh, watch to keep in a collection as well. So, uh, yeah. All right. And uh, Jason, what's uh, what's next after we're shots today? Uh,
1: so we have a this or that poll in usual fashion. Um, oh, yeah. You picked this, didn't you? I picked uh, <laughs> kind of. It was a uh, kind of a collab thing. So we went with uh, what we're going to call Funky Chronos. Or uh, ugly chronographs. Ugly chronographs.
0: Right. So yeah, we went off. The, we wanted to pick something different. We or every week we pick like watches that people like or you know somewhat in demand watches and things like that. So uh, this week we went the opposite way: watches that don't get a lot of love. Um, yeah. So they're Jason, they're cool
1: in the yeah? kind of way that like it makes sense. It's like a pug. It's like so ugly that's kind of cool, or kind of kind of cute. I think. Um, I think
0: a pug is just because it's like a dog and you can't hate dogs. Like I guess. Dogs.
1: But. So my pick was actually this uh, vintage Flightmaster. Vintage. In, yeah, it's an actual vintage 1971, which in and of itself is kind of cool. I think like the vintage, um, I like the Mark II Speedmaster a little bit better. Uh, similar size, similar kind of case in that vintage era case, but this is a 1971 um, Flightmaster, and you can see it has some. That's a dirty crystal has some abuse on the case which that's the original it has not been refinished which is really nice um, I know Mike Michaels looked went through this watch and said the movement was awesome and uh, you bought that the watch, coolest didn't you? I bought this yeah and the coolest thing about this was that it's untouched and it's an original owner watch um, so I got it from the I got it from a guy who sold me one watch before but this was his father's watch and he bought it new Wow um, so, so it's got some one owner. And it's got some, you know, some, obviously some, chasing. I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, the merit in this, and it's so cool, though, if you look at the inlays and the crown, you see the pushers? those inlays, like, they just don't do stuff like
0: that anymore. What is that? That case is called what? Is it
1: like uh, a bull,
0: it's not a bullhead, right? No. Just, what do they call that The case?
1: bullhead would be like the Omega case with the crown at the 12 o'clock. Okay. I don't know if, I'm sure there's a terminology for this case. I don't know what it is. Not going to lie to you. Um, Why not? This is this similar to like the you know, uh, oris has the Chronoris case which yeah, has yeah. that like similar uh kind of tonode look this one um they also do like i said i like the mark ii speedmaster case better mm-hmm. than this yeah but this is cool because it's from 71 it's it's cherry on the inside slightly worn on the outside which is you know all the love but sure. clean crystal just this is something that you could wear yeah it's, it's cool it's 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 cool it definitely has that that you know x spaceman look to yeah. it which is kind of neat and it's definitely ugly I, I, think it, it, I think it fits the quirky catalog.
0: There you go. You can see it on, on my wrist here. Yeah. It's
1: and it's plenty... I mean, what's cool about that piece, too, to is that it's plenty large enough uh-huh. for a modern... You know, it's a big, modern size watch. Sure. From the so, 70s, Right, from the 70s. So, if you're a guy that's like, oh, I only wear 43, 44-millimeter watches, Shrap, you could wear that. And the bracelet has enough links in it that... I mean, it'll fit your wrist. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you got to take some links out of this. Can you put this on a strap? Possibly? Yeah, I'm sure. How? I'm, I'm That's sure really so, weird you that, probably that,
0: put so. it on a NATO. It look kind of cool. It's weird. You see, like the way that the it goes the, the bracelet goes yeah here. The bracelet goes into yeah. the bottom of the case right there. Not uncommon. Same thing with the Mark II case. Right. So you got to figure out some way to put a strap. I think this might be a better watch on a strap. Um, cool. So there you go. You got your flight master. So my ugly chronograph. I actually kind of like it. It's cool. Um. So here you go. It's a Gerard Perigo 1945. This is not the XL. So this is 1945 chronograph. Um, so GP is a brand that doesn't get a real, really a lot of love. So obviously Omega is Omega, right? They sell a ton of watches. GP, not so many. They. Uh, this is though an in-house chronograph. You have this uh, square 1945 case. The cool thing about this watch, so let's see if we can get it. All right. It's, what is this convex, right? Yeah. So it's. The case, the crystal, and the dial are all convex, which, I mean, making a convex dial is unbelievably difficult, right? I think this the retail on this watch is like $10,000, so I think a lot of that has to do with how difficult it is to make. Um, resale, in regards, is uh, re- so- the resale for this, though, I mean, this is a watch that you can find uh, out there for about, you know, less than $4,000. Turn off the sound on your phone, Jay. Um, just deals, man. Can't <laughs> stop all the deals. That's right. So, th- so, this watch not only does it have convex case, convex crystal, and convex dial, it's got a little depth in the dial. So, the registers, the um, the chrono registers are actually cut out into the watch here. I don't know if there's a way That's, you can zoom in and see that.
1: Yeah, one of the re- re- redeeming qualities of that dial, I think, are it's kind of hard to see there because yeah. of the crystal, but there's some depth. So, if you want to you the see the
0: depth, just go ahead and buy the watch. Um, yeah. and uh, but it's it's cool. The hands are short, which is kind of weird. Also funky. It's like stubby, uh, a stubby chrono hand, which, you know, maybe maybe you like that. I don't know. I like it.
1: This that piece kind of there's a lot of uh, Frank Mueller drawback and, and kind of similarity to me with the, the way yeah. that the
0: corners dive down in the dial. Mm-hmm. And, and it also, but it fits nicely too. So like, I have about a seven inch wrist. Let's see how it goes. There you go. Another. For anyone listening on the podcast, lots of awkward silence while we look at the watch on my wrist. All right. So it fits nicely. It's a, uh, I believe this is what, like, fits like a 41 millimeter is really what it fits like. I don't know the, the dimensions on this watch. It's actually for sale on our website. Um, if you haven't noticed, we just take watches out of the safe for this or that for the most part because it's easier this way. But, um, but yeah, so it wears roughly like a 41. It, it can be a dress watch if you want it to be. Uh, it can also be, you know, kind of an everyday piece. It's funky. You're not really going to see too many of these out there. So, yeah, uh, I think uh, if you want, like, an off-the-beaten-path ugly chronograph, this is the way to go. Uh, Gerard Perigo 1945. They make an XL and an XXL, which are both absurdly large, and probably you want to avoid those. This one fits nicely, though.
1: Yeah, the double XL is, like, it's up there, up there. It's big. It wears, like, yeah, it's a 50-plus millimeter watch. It's yeah, it wears, but,
0: like, a, uh, like, a... Like a Super Avenger. Right, something. like some huge Panerai, which is unwearable. So, let's see here. Looks like a lot of people in the chat box are not liking, looks ugly on you, Josh, says BS. Well, that's the point here. They're not liking my Gerard Perigo. So let's go ahead and check the poll results. Go ahead. Throw them up there. I have a feeling uh, there might be a loser. Hey! <laughs> yes!
1: But I'm ca- So, but here's the thing. No, there's it, no things. No, but let's I want to the next I clarify. Guys. So hold so on. Does, does so that li- mean that wait, people think listening, that the winner of the poll Jason, is the ugliest watch?
0: Jason. Or... Just accept, accept your loss here. I mean, uh, so if you're if you're listening on the podcast, uh, me Josh, I'm winning. Me Josh, uh, that's me. I'm winning. 61 uh, percent of the votes are going to the Gerard Pergo, because you know why? It's a better watch. Or is it the uglier chronograph? So on to the next topic, Jason.
1: <laughs> uh, real quick, I want to everybody in the chat box. I appreciate, but a uh, couple comments. Um, we got all of our regular guys, Matt Forster's in there. He likes the Omega better um <laughs> not he's not voting uh then. captain zed said that uh what if we don't like either one what do we do and then uh, someone Just said then we vote for watch the, next you,
0: week we vote for the weapon on the table instead yeah. um so oh you know what somebody made a uh, uh made a comment about how the the gp looks like a squadra which also is an underappreciated watch i've always liked the squadra the uh jlc reverso squadra which is like the big square case watch that does not sell very well through retail and pre-owned they tank hard so you can, so if you like the watch you can get them pretty yeah. cheap um and yeah there's a few people on here uh, saying that the the GP tanks on resale that is absolutely true which makes it a value play right. so if you buy it at market price it's the worth
1: Squadra it. is better than that but still not a great watch the yeah i the is okay on anything but that rubber coated bracelet oh, that bracelet so wrong. you could not be so more bad. wrong
0: about that in fact I got the backing of a it. guy named Tim Masso, who says it's the best bracelet that that a JLC that makes, bracelet, and just really one of the best bracelets whoa, in the industry. JLC
1: makes maybe, Listen, but <laughs> doesn't mean you can it's disagree a good with Tim, That's but fine. you'd
0: be wrong. That's right. I had a conversation with him just this week about okay. that. I That's fine. I, I love that the articulated the br- rubber mm, bracelet. Nah. It's fantastic.
1: What happens to it after the rubber starts to go? Then how much are you in a new bracelet? Well, I'm listen, if
0: you take care of your stuff, uh, you don't have to worry about it, Jason. Sorry.
1: I don't like it. Same thing with Cartier well, I'm sorry. rubber-coated bracelets. The same thing. The Like I on guess. the Must 21s, those rubber bracelets, I
0: used to have to order... Yeah, but don't wear a Must 21. All
1: of those bracelets are, you know, stupid expensive.
0: Discontinued watch, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's so. a reason. Anyways, um. so uh, in segment, and we'll get back to the poll at the end because I feel like it's going to level out. Um, Why'd you text all
0: your friends? Yeah, no. And your I, family? I
1: activated the Russian hacker
0: bot. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, First of all, that's my family, by the way. Uh, all right. Yeah, so we got a, uh, in tradition of the buy, sell, trade. We set up one of those segments. Oh, we're doing for today. that today? Yeah, we're cool. going to do buy, buy sell, sell trade. trade.
0: All right. Yeah, I like that. We did that last time with, what, diversion? I think, yeah, so. Boom. Cool graphic. Bum, bum, bum. All right. So, uh, what are we buying, selling, and trading this week, Jay?
1: This week. Uh, Going with the uh, vintage kind of theme of the watch, I thought we would go with picks. Um, we went into the vault, uh, kind of found cool vintage watches for buy sell trade. Some so, vintage watches. Yeah, some 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 of the stuff I think is a good look. The idea was like a good look back to a vintage piece that's popular now. Like the modern version is popular now. Mm-hmm. Let's go take a look at what's good for buy sell trade in the vintage aspect of okay, it. Okay, so,
0: so uh, a vintage kind buy of sell a throwback. Trade. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So what's our buy?
1: So the buy watch today, uh, we'll pull up the graphic here, is the um, the Mark II. So we made reference to that in uh, the wrist shot right. of this Flightmaster. Mm-hmm. And we could pull up the large graphic of that as Another well. Another ugly chrono. So this case, I think, um, is underappreciated by people that aren't Speedmaster enthusiasts. The Mark II uh, has that same like uh, case shape, but it's much more comfortable than a Flightmaster. And I think proportionally it works better. Um, traditional chronograph layout there, Speedmaster dial and inner bezel, um, very much like the Space Race type of watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, just again, this is the 1450014 case uh, model, and I've always kind of liked this watch. I think it's a cool throwback, great movement. You know, everybody sure. goes back to Speedmaster vintages because of the movement. Um, I think it's a cool piece, and add a value proposition for a buy. That watch can be had for three to $3,500. Yeah. Completely like ready to go and be worn. Sure. So you know you can go buy most Speedmasters in that price range, mm-hmm. but if you wanted to get into a vintage piece, mm-hmm. um, a lot of vintage Speedmasters are very expensive. So especially pieces this old in a traditional Speedmaster case, ten ten thousand dollars. So
0: for thirty five hundred bucks, kind of a cool buy. Okay. Yeah. So that, this is a watch that uh underappreciated out there. You can get it. It's a good value for dollars. That's why it's our buy watch, the yeah. vintage uh, Omega Flightmaster. Definitely. <laughs> All right.
1: So, what's our cell watch, Jason? So the cell watch, and again, we're going to go ahead and post that graphic. Uh, inside the cell column, um, is our 3,800. Right. Right. Nautilus. Josh mm-hmm. knows quite a bit about this watch. He's he's I think sold probably more of these than anybody in the office. Probably. Yeah. Um, small on the small side. What is this? A
0: 37 millimeter.
1: 37. Yeah, yeah I think it's 37 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, this piece, you know, it keeps great keeps graduating stronger and stronger as we see all of the Nautilus, uh, especially getting almost unwieldy pricing, mm-hmm. um, you know, they just keep escalating. And then what happens is people look at alternatives and first, maybe they go to other brands or they go to, uh, you know, other pieces. And then when you really decide like, you know what, I do really want the Nautilus, mm-hmm. I think 3,800 is probably the next entry level sure. price point. And people start to, you know, especially guys that have smaller wrists, you know, uh, under six inches, Wrist, they start to look at can I wear a 37? Is it truly a midsize? Some guys pull it off. Um, you know, I don't think it's a mainstream size, but uh, the watch is pretty decent. I would say in current
0: standards, I mean— uh, Well, so it's a sell because any Nautilus right now is a sell watch. Right. Uh, the, I mean, values of these have jumped up. Across the board, every every Nautilus, it seems like it has some more than others. Obviously, 5711 leading the way. Um, 5980s we talked about in the past. 5980 steals are going for $80,000. It's absurd. Not absurd, but it—it's crazy, is what it is. That's what I mean. Like it's—it's it's just crazy. The demand for these watches has jumped so high. So if you're—if you have an older Nautilus, that's gone up in value too. So that would be your sell watch because you're going to get, uh, you know, fantastic value, especially if you bought this if you bought this new. Right. Then you're think you know, about you're like doing well. how long
1: ago the 3800s were sold new, mm-hmm. and if you bought that, you know, back then uh, they didn't sell
0: well. You know, So you're probably getting a discount on yeah. that piece. Well, we've talked about this in the past in terms of vintage and what watches go up in value. It's watches that at the time were kind of undervalued. They didn't, you know, Patek has always been known sure. for making uh, for dress watches. So when they made the Nautilus as like somewhat of a sport watch, it didn't sell that well. They didn't make as many. It was, you know, on the cheaper side of their uh, of their price point. So uh, they didn't really get respected the way they the, they do now. So now there's, Obviously more value, so but that's a watch specifically. That's a sell watch because you're definitely getting a lot of value for that now. Certainly. So so trade watch is normally a watch that kind of has just been staying constant, hasn't gone up, hasn't gone down, and is easy watch to uh, to move. You know, for like value into something else. So what are we doing? Right. So
1: trade watch. I I went with the sixteen seven fifty. Um, This is a watch that has gone up, mm-hmm. so it doesn't necessarily meet the traditional trade value. Okay. But the reason why I picked this for trade one, I wanted to showcase the piece uh, in the show because I think it's super relevant right now mm-hmm. in the in, in the market. Um, everybody's on the fence with all these Pepsi dials. Sure. And what better way than to go spend, go back to vintage and get the one that's, that's the actual Pepsi that makes it relevant. Sure. Um, which reference I think is this? This is the uh, sixteen seven fifty. Okay, sixteen so, seven fifty. Yeah. Right. So I think um. The reason I went with trade for this, even though it's on a rise mm-hmm. and it's not like the very, very consistent aspect of trade. Sure. Is that it's a piece that you don't a lot of need demand, to sell right, right now and yeah. you don't need to, to buy right now. You mm-hmm. can keep it and it's just going to keep going up. And it's always in demand. Um, the, You know, the discontinue uh kind of story that we, that we said last week, we haven't heard if that's going to be true or not. Oh, yeah. But if it is, these are going to go up. If it's not, these are still going to go up. The steel piece yeah, yeah, yeah. came out, made the watch relevant again. The Tudor version uh, made this watch relevant again. Mm-hmm. And even though the Pepsi is was always relevant to collectors, sure. now it's being more mainstream out yeah. there, and I'm sure we're going to see other brands start to do red and blue watches. Um, so I think like this piece is just going to be a constant yeah, trend. So they, well, right
0: now, so. those sell right around, uh, in, unless it has some like Monkey 6, Monkey Paul 6 or right. whatever. There's all sorts of craziness that goes on with these, but... Um, right around 10 grand or so, right? Yeah. So, this is a watch that, you know, two and a half, three years ago was probably like a 6,500, maybe a little bit, you know, right. maybe even a little bit less, maybe a little bit more, but in that range. So, they've definitely gone up, but in the last year, they've kind of stayed right around uh, 10,000. And this is the 16,750, not the 16,1675. Uh, the 1675s 16, right. 16, are the older versions. Those ones you can, I mean, people are asking. I think I saw 20, one for like yeah. a, a, no, more full set box and papers. For, you know, $40,000, $50,000 yeah. on some of them. So when you get into very old vintage, like 60s and 70s, that's what you're talking about. Now you're talking about watch from the 80s and 90s, right? right. Uh, or even, uh, do they go into the 2000s with this model? I don't this think is so. the type of
1: This is the type of vintage watch that I would be comfortable owning. Sure. Because it's not
0: too far,
1: right? It's, well, the technology like, is somewhat right? Right, the technology right? is still, you know, it's still within your lifespan. It's still something that... You know, obviously serviceable. All of them are, are going to be serviceable sure. for generations beyond, but it's somewhat relevant. Like yeah. you know, it's like me going. To, you know, you going to buy like a nineteen nineties Japanese car because it was in your era, sure. your lifespan, as opposed to like something from you know the fifties or, or an A series panorama.
0: Yeah, it's twenty years old. Which is its hashtag is what hashtag two A. That's there right, Jason. So yeah, all right, cool. So the the trade watch is going to be a very relevant, but I mean trade easy to sell. Uh, it's an easy—there's yeah. a lot of demand for that watch, too, whereas the Patek is certainly going to be worth a lot more, but it's also not going to be as easy. There's there's not as many buyers, but the when you do sell, the price is, is absorbent, right?
1: Yeah, I, at some point, you could probably flip those around and make the case, the argument for either one. Mm-hmm. But I, in this order, I feel like the trade is— from a perspective that it would be my watch, right. I would feel more comfortable retaining that watch. Yeah. Whereas with the Paddock, I'd have more out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and be a little bit uh, more uh, inclined to sell it. Sure.
0: You know, because well, you have that you're... much money in
1: limbo. Agreed.
0: Know? And if you're trading the uh, that Rolex, you got to think, well, so it, say if we flip them, right? You put the, the Paddock, uh, the 3,800 tone 37 millimeter, uh, you know, 70s Nautilus uh, as a trade watch, what other watches does somebody like that have in their collection, or what do they want to trade for? Or right. they, you know what I'm saying. So that's usually a trade is you're trading it for another watch, not not dollars and cents. So I don't know if if I had that watch and I wanted to trade it to somebody who wanted that watch, what would they have in their their collection that would be relevant to me?
1: Mm.
0: Whereas the uh, the Rolex that fits in almost every collection, so you have a lot more. There's that's probably going to be a lot yeah. more trade bait out there. Um, so you know you you that guy's also going to wear probably other Rolexes. Might wear a Panerai. Uh, he's going to be wearing, you know, a lot of relevant watches that are going to be interesting to, to yeah. trade towards. that's a great
1: point. And to compound on that a little bit more is uh, because of the size of the 3800, if you're trading it to somebody, they're probably also going to have tiny midsize watches. Right. And I feel like most guys buy a 3800 and then say, oh, man, this is way too small for me and try and try and get rid of it. Sometimes. So then you're also combating trading for another small watch, mm-hmm. which, is, which is a good point. I didn't think about that when I put the order together. But it it is uh pretty relevant
0: yeah yeah, yeah for agree. sure well the chat box is going crazy these yeah. guys talking crap on each other's spouses I don't know okay I'll really leave that alone I think there's a joke I, I'm like midway into some sort of I don't know if this is an argument or what, but there's some sorry I couldn't going. take your call this morning I was talking to your spouse I don't know if that's a joke let's hope it's uh all right witty banter. Yeah. All right. Cool. So buy, sell, trade, buy a, uh, a vintage Omega, uh, flight master, easy to buy, you know, low dollar p- a price point. Uh, it's also serviceable. Not, uh, you know, it's not going to be, uh, a lot of risk in purchasing one of those sure. sell your vintage Nautilus and then trade your Pepsi.
1: Yeah. I think it's a pretty reasonable layout. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would, I would say in the chat, if you guys, uh, Want to ring in, and if you would rearrange that order at all. or uh, I think it stands pretty well the way it's put together.
0: Yeah. Cool. Uh, I want to say thank you to Alex NG, because he just complimented me on my Bell and Ross. And I like compliments, so. Uh,
1: Tenzil also uh, came back and said it was a joke, Josh. Okay. That's We're fine. all friends here. All right. I'm glad that everybody is friendly. We don't cool. like you guys, though. No, I'm just kidding. Um, All right. Let's pull up. Uh, can we pull up this? The uh, poll? No. One more time? No, we're good. No reason for that. Ah, Look, you're... So... Screw you, Jason. Yeah, the poll's evened out a little bit uh, for the podcast. Josh is uh, at 45.83% now, and I have pulled ahead victorious to 54.17% to be precise. Um, He's no longer jumping up and dancing around the camera. we're not
0: all friends, by the way. Jason, (laughs) definitely not friends right now. But absurd. uh, so all right, we're here, definitely chat not headed to a barbecue after this. So. <laughs> yeah. All right, chat questions here. Do we have any good questions? Uh, hey guys, throw your questions in the, uh, in the chat box. Yeah, we got nothing else to do right now, guys. What are you doing? Um, let's see here.
1: Let's
0: go back up. I don't see. I don't, see, I don't really see on. any, any good questions
1: stream? here. Josh got my vote on this one. Clive Watch Wrangler said that he voted for Josh. Uh, Mark Three Mahans.
0: All right, so uh, Richard Bonanno says uh, Omega Railmaster versus an Explorer 1. What do you pick? So, hmm, it's interesting. Um, So value for dollars, the Omega Railmaster is going to have a better movement, and it's certainly going to be less expensive, depending on which one you pick, and you have a a variety of dial colors. Um, Explorer 1 is going to be – it's a stainless steel Rolex, so it's going to be somewhat tough to find. Uh, Not exactly, obviously – it's not, you know, a Pepsi or, or Daytona or whatnot, but uh, a little bit tough to find. You probably won't be able to get a discount if you do it'll be very tiny and you only have one option in terms of dial. I'm guessing he's talking about the 30, 39 millimeter. Yeah, I would assume. Yeah. Um, now they put loom on the dial, which is good because loom is good. Um what do you pick, Jason?
1: Uh I like the loom to, I like the loom marker, so I'd probably go
0: with that. I okay. think it's a I So think... you pick the the explorer one with yeah. Loom over a railmaster? Yeah. Uh
1: okay. I think it's I think it's a more forever type of watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I would, would probably say is future-proofed, as to, at least for a little bit longer, as staying in your collection. Mm-hmm. Where I think the other one you get tired of and, and kind of move it out faster. I know a lot of guys never keep, you know, everything in the collection, but I think that the Lunt Explorer makes more sense, and it's a more versatile. The watch itself is is already kind of a tool watch, mm-hmm. um, so just being a better version of that watch, I think sure. it's the the more versatile piece.
0: All right, here's another one. Um, Horolo, Horolo, Horology Homies asks, uh he asked me specifically, Josh, Rolex Kermit or the Daytona Zenith? Hmm, interesting. So, I guess we're talking about two uh, stainless steel watches. Uh, Zenith Daytona is a $25,000 watch right, right now. So, you're not going to have to spend that on a Kermit. Kermit's going to be, what, around ten grand at this point, which is crazy because just two or three years, I'd probably say four or five years ago, that's a fifty five dollars to $6,000 watch. Um... For my money, it's tough because I really like the Daytona. I know you don't, Jason. It doesn't have a date. It's a little small for you. I love, for me personally, if those are my two options, I'm picking the Rolex, <laughs> the Rolex movement Daytona because that's the value play in my opinion. You pick that up for about 15 right now. Um, but between those two, I pick the Kermit. What do you pick?
1: So here's a here's a weird so value. I can I can never really like separate the value prop side of it from sure. like, how you just mentioned. Value wise, I want to go. Kermit sure but I think there's something to be said for you know the value is rising on the el primeros there's something to be said for the fact that it either is an el primero or it isn't an el primero mm-hmm. whereas the Kermit there's a lot of like people putting bezels on stuff yeah yeah there's a lot of Frankenstein type of watches um, which we to that's your right. classroom I watched uh yesterday if you guys didn't Great segue there bud yeah yeah so. so if
0: you watch my uh my episode of the, the classroom that's one of the topics we went over is that you know, when you're buying a a somewhat vintage or an older watch, you have to know uh, what can be done in order to know what's going on. So uh, simply swapping a bezel insert from black to green makes that watch much more valuable. And a lot of times the papers, and I'm trying to remember the difference. uh, I want to say it's either watches sold in the U.S. or watches sold overseas, either or when they were distributed, one of them didn't say it on the papers. So there was legitimately Kermit's that were sold that didn't designate that it was a Kermit on the papers. Right. And that can only be determined by a watchmaker. No. Was, well, not either.
1: I believe there's a way to run the serial number from the movement to make sure if it was supposed to be... Uh, there's, a, Is there's there? There's a There's a. Uh, a ledger somewhere mm-hmm. that I, I guess...
0: From what I've read sure, on not forums and
1: stuff, up? no, there's supposed to be a ledger all right. with a serial number gap for movements
0: of which ones were supposed to. Okay, play. all right, that's good. Who knows? So we'll call so, Jason and Jason will talk to Mike. Mike. yeah. And so to my that point, answer. while I you think see his that, phone number down there, call him for those inquiries, please. So
1: to, to my point in the answering the question, just to, to round about back to it, is sure. I think I would wear the Hulk, mm-hmm. but I think for having something very distinctive and different, you, I think the El Camaro is a better, it's, better zenith.
0: Yeah. And how crazy is that? I, I mean, so about five years ago, a Zenith Daytona was not worth any more than yeah. a regular steel Daytona. And now both of those have skyrocketed in value.
1: All boats rise, we say it all the time, right?
0: It's it's awesome, I and I, I don't know, so they all have to come down a little bit, I assume, but I don't know if they ever go down below what their supposed list price would be, right? Well, I mean, Zenith Daytonas were, you know, uh, well, in the 80s, like, like 3,200 bucks or something like that. I remember someone showed me a, their uh, purchase receipt. So, you know, that's amazing. Um, Let's uh, see here. I Peter, saw it. Peter
1: yeah. K. is asking, can I expect any discounts on the Cartier Santos from an AD? I'm assuming the new one that we showcased last week is what he's talking about. Um, I don't I don't know. I don't think so. Well, You're, you're a Cartier AD. Yeah. I, I think so at first careful. it's probably... No, I mean, let's be real. I think at first it's probably a watch that's no. going to be very hard to get.
0: Uh, the Cartier Santos? The new one. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I don't think so. I mean, it's not and like then, we might
0: have one in our case downstairs. Yeah.
1: So, I mean it's it's a fine line i don't i don't think so it's only
0: 6600 dollars retail yeah, I mean, you get a lot of watch for the for the money it's tough so i'd say just pay point. list yeah pay list on a wire um so anil asks uh he was asking if a gilt uh gilt dial adds value to a 1675 so uh, when you start getting into like 60s and 70s uh rolexes every little thing adds uh some sort of value um, so yes, if you have a guilt dial 1675, yeah, that's certainly going to add value to it. And, uh, let's see here. There's a lot of good questions that popped up here. I guess we could probably just stay on for another hour or so just answering these questions. You cool with that, Harrison? Yes. Okay. Is that All right. It? Awesome. You Thank don't you. To be, awesome. Right? Yeah. Sweet, dude. Um, it's not Friday. Right? Let's see. Actually, let's just get, uh, what the right. Oh yeah. Clive is upset because the, the poll says Omega Seamaster, not Flightmaster. So by the way. That poll is null and void. Okay? Yeah. Sorry, guys. So we lost on a technicality? You lost on a technicality. Not we. I went. I went on a technicality, and I'll take that every fucking day. Nah. All I, right. I don't think so. Um, it's <laughs> So, alrighty. Uh, Is there any other questions here? Whoa. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm all not going right. to read that. I no. almost, I almost <laughs> went for it, Clive. But uh, oh, yeah, I'm right. I didn't read that out lot. Eric Nielsen says that the Daytona is fine uh, if you don't need to see what time it is. I disagree with that. I think it's legible. Um, it's fine if you don't need to know what date it is. So Logan Hall says if Rolex made a perpetual calendar Cellini, that would be great. And I agree with you, and I think that that might be coming up because uh, um, Rolex in the past has made a perpetual calendar module. Um, and, like, you know, how they, they brought back that moon phase because right. it was an older module. I think that that would... Uh, it would make movement. sense,
1: too, because I think the Cellini is an excellent way for them to bring out movements that they don't want to necessarily put in modern cases. Right. So, yeah. experimental kind of And
0: the Moonphase is, moon is doing really well, better than probably any other Cellini. They brought back Cellini case with the last two Cellini models right. that they, they... Before uh, we
1: wrap up the show... now oh, we're wrapping up. DGB has the best question of the night. is what do you guys think of the Finissimo? And that watch is freaking awesome. And I like it a lot. That's what I think.
0: Okay. Well, Jason can... He can have his opinion on that one.
1: You know you like that watch. I mean, it's okay. Anyways, Josh's opinion doesn't matter, as the poll has proven tonight, because he lost this or that. As usual, um, Friday night, so we're gonna sign off. Yeah. Let these guys get home early, and uh, we're gonna stop talking now.
0: So. Cool. All right. So again, like always, go ahead and subscribe to our channel. We are at how many? Uh, we are 54,000 subscribers. We want to try to get to 154,000 subscribers by next week. So guys, tell everybody you know. Tell your friends, your neighbors, your neighbors, neighbors, your neighbors, neighbors, neighbors. Uh, people you meet on the street, people you meet on an airplane, on a bus, in an Uber. Um, Wherever you meet people, go ahead and tell them to subscribe to our channel. Check us out on Instagram. My Instagram is Mr. Thanos. very simple, M-R, and then my last name. Jason has a terrible Instagram name that we're not going to discuss here. Thank you very Um, much. Check us out on, uh, well, check out the classroom, which is now live. You can find out how to buy watches online from me. Also, okay, I guess we're done here.